Good morning, church. Sounds like you guys are sleeping. Good morning, church. Okay, great. <laughs> At least I'm not going to be talking to myself here, right? And I'm, I'm going to ask you, and you, be, you have to be kind to me, because I'm going to always have to ask you to just give me those responses, because if you don't, you're not giving me the responses, I'm not going to be convinced that you're following. So, you hear an amen, I expect an amen back. Amen. amen. Hey, this amen, God, I'm begging for it, eh? <laughs> it's a joy to be with you again here this morning and to be able to open the Word of God together. Um, we're really, really excited to be here. We're really excited for the year ahead of us. Um, and it's really good to see you all back here. And I know some other people are still not back, but it's good to see all of you who are back with, here, uh, with us here today. I just want to get my desk here sorted out, and then we can make um, a start. So I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter number 4, and we're going to be reading from verse number 1 through verse number 20. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 20. Starting from verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some f- seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the the word, and and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When, When they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. 
And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no roots in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we bless your name, for you are the great King. We bless your name, for you are the all-knowing God. Even as we sit here today, God, we do not doubt that you are in full control of everything around us. You are in full control of all the events of this universe, oh God. And for that, Lord, we just bless your name. We can stand and have confidence in knowing that we serve a God who is the Almighty. We serve a God who is not limited by anything. We serve a God who is sure to accomplish everything that he has set out to accomplish. Because, Lord, you have all the strength. You have all that wisdom. You have, oh God, Father, just all that power. And your plan, Lord, Father, will stand. We thank you that we know you today as our Father because of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we stand here, oh God, our confidence is only in him. And even as we come and we have read this word, we ask of you, oh Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. Help our hearts, oh Lord, Father, just to take this word. Teach our hearts, O oh Lord God, Father, just to receive this word. Use this word, O oh Lord God, Father, just to speak to our hearts that we may grow. To love you. To love your son. Your son who is our foundation. Your son who is our hope. Your son who is our confidence. Your son who is our everything. And so we can also grow to love even one another as your people. And grow to maturity through this word. We pray, O oh God, Father, that you would help our hearts not to be ignorant in any way today. But, Lord, Father, just through this word, we may be changed. And that, Lord, above all, you may be glorified. Thank you for this opportunity. And we ask, Lord, Father, that you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I do not know how many of you are familiar with this parable that is commonly known, the parable of the sower. Or maybe before I go on, just to remember the kids, there's a word that you need to be listening to. It's the word seed. So for our kids, listen to the word seed. S-E-E-D, in capital letters. There, it's easy. So I do not know how many of you are familiar with this parable. It's commonly known as the parable of the sower. 
This is one of the many parables that the Lord Jesus Christ incorporated in his teaching. Parables are basically long analogies given in the form of a story with spiritual lessons. The use of parables, even as we see in the Gospels, where the Lord Jesus Christ uses them, was not something that was unfamiliar to the people who were listening to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a common way also in Judaism for the teachers or the rabbis to incorporate parables in their teachings. So what Jesus was doing here was not something that was new. However, we know, even as we look at the Bible, there are a lot of people who can take something like what they see of the Lord Jesus Christ and they say, you know what, he taught and he told stories. So if you're going to stand any time and you're going to preach, you need to be able to tell people stories. And we see that many times people stand. Instead of being able to stand and preach the word and teach proper doctrine, they just tell stories and tell you what they've been thinking. They tell you what they saw. They tell you what they think. Although the Lord Jesus Christ employed parables in his teaching, that was not the only way or the only form of teaching that he employed. There are times when he spoke and he did not use parables. And he dealt directly with the matters at hand. You can think of the Sermon on the Mount, one of the famous sermons that we know from Matthew 5, chapter number, seven, chapter number 5 to chapter number 7. You read there, you see that it deals directly with many matters without employing many parables like you would do in other passages. So we accept this word even as it comes and we have this parable before us. And when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he uses parables, he did not just use them for the sake of using them. There was a purpose. In verse 10 and verse 12 of where we read, he explains to his disciples why he used the parables. He used parables to reveal spiritual truths to those who were interested in him and to conceal truth to those who were already blind, those who had rejected him. It was the Lord Jesus' act of judgment to those who did not want to listen to him. When you read in the gospel, or even in this passage, you go back into chapter number 3, or you go in Matthew's chapter number 12, before you find this passage where it talks about the parable of the sower, you see the Pharisees coming hard on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a man who was demon-possessed, who was a mute, who was blind. He does all this powerful miracle, healing this man that had all these three issues on him. And guess what? Having seen everything that he had done, they still stand and say, they're going to oppose him. They don't want to listen to him. Guess what they say? This man does this because he's demon-possessed. And the Lord Jesus Christ sees these people, he realizes, these are people who are not interested in truth. The gospel is clearly laid before them. The message of the kingdom is clearly presented to them. The works and miracles that accompany, that authenticate the power that the Lord Jesus Christ had is there, laid bare before them. But they don't want to listen. They don't want to take what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling them. Instead, they hear the crowds murmuring, could this be the son of David? 
The Pharisees don't want to hear that. They're like, no. This guy does this because he is demon-possessed. He does this because he has the power of the demons. He's working together with the demons. And when you read in, 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 in Mark chapter number 4, you get to like verse 33 and verse 34. There was a change with all of these things that were coming. That the Lord Jesus Christ even employed more parables. He employed more parables. Why? There were those that were out to get him, no matter what. And so, as a way and an act of mercy to them, so that they don't continue to hear more, he blinds them. He gives them parables, so that they do not hear more, lest their judgment be more. He judges them so that they do not hear again. And what he does is, he only draws those that he wants to speak to. He only draws those that are interested to hear him. He only draws those that he has called to come close to him so that he can be able to explain it to them. Those that were interested in knowing the word of God. And that is what we see. And that's what we understand even as we read and we see this parable, that it comes, there are those that are just not interested. They will not understand. They're not even interested in understanding what Jesus was teaching. And so he gives them the parables, continues to blind them. Because already they blind and they were not even interested in truth. But to those that were interested in truth, the Lord Jesus Christ is willing to open it up, to reveal it to them, so that they'll be able to understand the spiritual significance of what he was teaching. The section we read takes place in Galilee, where most of Jesus' earthly ministry took place. In verse 1 there, we read that Jesus began to teach by the lake, and the large crowd had gathered around him. Jesus had been teaching and healing people around the Galilean region, and so many people continued to follow him. Some wanting to hear, some just wanted to see miracles. And they continued to follow him around. So in order to manage the crowd, we read there that Jesus got into a boat and then he went into the sea. And that is to manage the crowd that was large. People were pressing, obviously, around him. So he goes into the boat, he sits down on the boat, just like some rabbis would do when they would teach and sit down. And those that would be listening to them would sit in front of them and listen. He got into the boat and he went in into the water and the crowd was like sitting there by the shore and they would listen to him. This allowed Jesus to speak easily to everyone and also to take advantage obviously of the wind that comes from the water. When you have like a big crowd and you have people surrounding, it can be very difficult to be heard. But you have people by the banks He's sitting by the water, the breeze is going, the wind is blowing to the shore from the sea, or from the, from the sea there. He's able to speak and people are able to hear him. And so every now and then when you read through the gospel, you hear the Lord Jesus Christ going by the lake, getting onto the boat, teaching and teaching and teaching. And this is what we see in this passage where we read. He does that because he really wants to take this time. This is teaching time. It was not time to go fishing. It was not time. It was teaching time. So he sets up 
to actually take this time to teach. And we will see that he is really serious about what he wants to teach them. And so they are there just listening. And verse 3, when you read, this is where we find the content of what the Lord Jesus Christ is going to teach them. And he opens this call to the audience. What does he say? Verse 3, if you look at your Bibles. Listen. He says, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. Listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. The call to listen indicates that what Jesus is about to say was very, very important and very urgent. What Jesus was about to say was not obvious to understand or self-evident. And so it required attention from the crowd or else they would miss it. What Jesus was about to teach the crowd explains why his message was received the way it was received by different kinds of people. Some people received it well, like his disciples and others who followed him. But some, like the scribes and the Pharisees, we know that they rejected it and went as far as killing him because of the message that he taught. What we see from the start of this parable and also throughout everything else that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to explain is that there will be different responses that would come from the people that would listen. The analogy that the Lord Jesus Christ uses here, even as he says, listen, a farmer went out, he, he comes in and he says, I'm going to teach you something from everyday life. He, he, he employs the analogy of farming, something which was very familiar to the people who were listening to him. Farming was the way of life for the people of Jesus' time. It was the way people made living. And so the crowd was very, very familiar with what Jesus Christ was talking about. Although I mentioned above that the parables were common, when you look at this particular parable and many other parables that the Lord Jesus Christ used, you get to see that the Lord Jesus Christ was a master teacher. That is one thing that cannot escape you. The Lord Jesus Christ was a master teacher. He knew which button to press. He knew exactly where to touch. And now even as he opens up and he takes this concept, this idea familiar to these people about farming, he knows it's going to ring the right bell to them because they know what he's going to be talking about. But what is important to him is to communicate the spiritual significance of the truth that he was about to declare before them. So just like Jesus called the crowd to say, listen, I want to do that today, and not by my authority, but by the authority of the word of God. I also invite you here today to listen to what the word of God has to say. I have titled the message for today, The Ground That Produces Abundant Fruit. The Ground That Produces Abundant Fruit. And the question we will be asking 
or seeking to answer is what kind of people benefit from God's word when they hear it preached. And my goal here today is to encourage you or to motivate you to continue to take in the word of God as it is preached to you because it will change you. My goal is to encourage you to take the word of God as it is preached to you. Why? Because it has that power to change you and it will change you. The word of God that you listen to every day is a powerful word of God. It is alive and it is active. Receive it and it will cause you to be fruitful and it will help you to grow into maturity. I want to encourage you because when you read this parable, it's clear to see that the emphasis of this parable here before us is actually a positive one. That there is fruit that is abundant that comes to those who listen, to those who hear, even as you hear the Lord Jesus Christ there in verse 9. He who has ear to hear, let him hear. And if we hear and we take the word, we will produce abundant fruit. We want to listen to the word. It's a good thing to come to church every Sunday. It's a good thing to listen to sermons in, sermon out, throughout the year. But if the sermon does not come and work in me, those are sermons that are just going to be wasted. You're missing out. And we don't want to miss out. We want to take the word of God seriously. So in the parable before us, we find four kinds of people who are presented with the word of God. And all of them respond differently. So even as we see it here, think of those four kinds of people that all hear the word of God, but even as they respond, they respond differently. So we're going to be looking at four kinds of hearers and their responses. Those are the four points I'm going to be talking through. Four kinds of hearers and their responses. Number one, the hard ground. And we find this in verse number four and verse number 15. The parable says, when the farmer scattered seed and some fell along the path, it is possible that where the farmer planted, there were paths around the farm or even walkways that crossed through the farm where he was working. So as he scattered seed, without just you know, going out and putting one seed at a time, he's generously just throwing seeds around. Some of these seeds fell on the path. And what does it say? It says the birds came and devoured it. They came and they ate it up. The seed is there. What does the bird do? They see the seed and they go down and eat the seed. The seed does not last long because it's exposed, it's out there. The birds see it, they go down, they eat it. But even if the seed that fell on the path was to stay there even longer 
and the birds did not even eat it. Nothing would happen to it because the surface that it fell on is so hard. The seed cannot penetrate the hard soil to go down so that it can germinate. The seed cannot penetrate the soil to get some water so that it can be able to grow because the surface it's sitting on, it's hard. What we know, for those who actually love plants and understand how plants work, is that for a seed to germinate, to grow, when you plant it down, underground, then you put soil, the seed has to absorb some water. And only after it has absorbed some water would it then be able to generate some roots. And the reason it wants to start generating roots is so that it can be able to go and draw more water. And as it draws more water, it's then able to do, do what? Sprout. Shoots come up, the leaves come up, and then it continues to grow. As it grows up, some continue to grow down, further down, get more water, and that is what happens. And soon enough, a fruit would come at the end. But these seeds that we talk about here, the first one fell on the hard ground. All that process of growth does not happen for this seed. Instead, the seed is eaten by the birds. You would think, is that wasted seed? The birds come and they eat it. But listen, we go down to verse 15. What does the Lord Jesus Christ say? Jesus described this kind of people in verse 15. He says, this is as those who when they hear the gospel, certain immediately comes and takes away the word from them. The farmer here or the sower is likened to anyone who proclaims the word of God. And in this parable here or in this passage, who would be proclaiming the word? This would be the Lord Jesus Christ. But the sower could be anyone whenever the word of God would stand and be proclaimed. That would be the person who would be sowing that seed. Because that seed is that word. Satan is likened to the birds that eat the seed. Satan is always like a bird looking for opportunities. Searching for those opportunities to find that seed to find that seed so that he can take it away snatch it it's like the seed is there before you know it it's gone he's always looking out for those opportunities and it's described like that he just comes and then he snatches it so Satan is likened to a bird Matthew and Mark Matthew and Luke tell the same parable. When you go to the gospel that is written by Matthew and you go to the gospel that is written by Luke, you will find that they actually give us even more helpful details in their accounts of what really happens when Satan steals the word. Matthew says, Satan comes and snatches away the word that is sown. When? When? When anyone hears the word of the kingdom of God and does not understand it. When anyone hears the word of God and does not understand it, Satan comes and he takes it before it even takes root. You hear it, 
Before it even settles down and you understand it, it takes it and it's gone. Luke on his side, he says, Luke, Luke 8, verse 12. He says, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Why? So that they may not believe and be saved. He's not just doing this. This is not just happening randomly. He has an agenda. There is an agenda that is going on. Why? He takes the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. We see from what Luke says that the presentation of the word, even as the sower is doing this and is sowing, this presentation of the word referred to here in speaks of the message of salvation which is the gospel of the kingdom of God. However, I also believe that what the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about in this parable is not only limited to when the gospel is first presented to unbelievers, but it happens every time the word of God is opened and preached in a church setting even like this. The word of God is received differently depending on the readiness and condition of the hearts of the hearers. Jesus says, the word that fell on the hard surfaces is stolen by Satan. That is, before the gospel can penetrate, when the gospel is proclaimed, when the gospel is presented, as we see it and we listen like this, it disappears to those who hear, before it settles down, it disappears so that their hearts are not moved. The gospel comes in through one ear and goes out through the other ear. There are people who come to church, they are ever hearing, but they are not changed because the gospel never really settles. As it comes, the heart is so hard, the ground is so hard. The word does not penetrate. And before it settles, it is gone. They continue to come to church, but they do not benefit and always return the way they came. Satan ensures that they remain in the dark. These are people whose hearts are just hard. These are people whose hearts are just hard. They are not converted. And though the word comes, they not change. They remain the same. I hope this is not you sitting here today. Because this is a dangerous place to be in. This is where the Pharisees who crucified the Lord Jesus Christ found themselves in. They were so interested in themselves, their power, their status in their community, their roles, their robes, the greetings that they received in the marketplaces, all those things that came from the outside is what interested them. They did, were not willing to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not want the truth. Even though the message was presented, even though miracles were performed, every day was before them. 
The word just came and bounced and went. The word came, bounced and went. Because they cared nothing about the word. They cared for nothing about the truth. They were bent on opposing the Lord Jesus Christ and killing him. And they finally did. I mean, the gospel, even as we see, and we praise God for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, for dying for us on the cross. We praise God for that. But you look at the people who actually came and put the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. You look at how determined they were to kill an innocent man. You like there was no reason, there was nothing that he had given them to cause them to do what they did. But they did it because their hearts were hard. They could not change. Regardless of what you would put before them, they were bent on just destroying him. And even as the Lord Jesus Christ tend to even use more parables, he just continues saying, you're going to remain blind because you have set your hearts against understanding truth. They were the enemies of the gospel. And there are people like this today. Even when the gospel is presented, who are enemies of the gospel and they don't want anything to do with it. It's not like when they are sitting and the gospel is being proclaimed. They are saying, I want it, I want it. And God is saying, I'm not going to give it to you. They're just sitting there and they just don't want anything to do with it. They don't care to think about it. They don't care to think even about God. They just all day. They didn't want to just be like that. And so when the word comes, it bounces. If this is you here today, pray to God that it would soften your heart. And that it would open your eyes so that you can be able to see the beauty of his son and his glory. So that you can come before him and find the forgiveness that is provided in his son. Because it matters that you hear what God has to say. God is the one who has given us the terms of peace. Because we are men that are enemies of God. The terms of peace is to say, look at the sun. And please look at the sun. Ask God to say, I want to look at the sun. Because only God is able to move a heart that is this hard. Only God is able to take the word. Even as the Lord Jesus Christ says, listen. And he says, be careful how you listen. Take care how you listen. Because understanding all these truths comes from him. Ask God to help you, if this is you here today, to understand so that you may accept the word. But that is the first group of people that we see. As the word is presented, they are hard, hard ground. Number two, we have the shallow, rocky ground. And we find this in verse number five and six. And then the explanation is given by the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 16 and 17. The seed that falls on the rocky ground quickly springs up because the soil is shallow. When the plant springs up, all seems to be okay. Until the heat of the sun comes. And verse six says, when the sun came up, it scorched the plant and they withered because they had no root. 
The Lord Jesus Christ describes these kinds of people in verse 16 and 17 as those who hear the word of God and immediately they receive it with joy. So unlike the first group where it bounces and goes, this group, they receive it with joy. It comes in, they grab it. But are they really grabbing it? It says there, the sun we see represents tribulation and trials. These people that we have in this group, in the second group here, these are people who are easily excited. They get excited easily. And they are moved by emotions. As the word is preached, without thinking much about whatever that is said, some people, they just hear. Some people, you know, in some churches, they just stand there and they just hear the saying, whoever wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, come to the front. Some people didn't even hear that the call was made. They just see people going to the front. And they said, I'm going to follow. And they go. Some people just see, hey, you know what? Everyone seems to be doing this church thing. I think I'm just going to, you know, follow through. It looks like they got it. It looks like they understand it. But they just get easily excited. They are led by emotions. And they does make superficial commitments for Christ. But the commitments that they make are not coming from the heart. They make a commitment, but the commitment does not come from the heart. These are people who are careless. They are careless. Why? Because they make commitments without weighing and understanding the cost of following the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ, even as he makes the call, he calls for, for, for believers to say, hey, calculate the cost. It will cost to follow Jesus. But these people here, this second group of people, where the word comes and it falls on this shallow rocky ground, they receive it. They just get excited. No calculation, no second thought. They just grab it like, ah, we're ready to go. Let's go. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to sing with them. And where possible, if I can, even roll on the floor, make noise. That's what's going on. That is their life. They seem to go on for a while. Everything seems well. However, because they are not planted in Christ and they have no roots, they fall away when tribulation and persecution comes. When they fall away, it just shows that they did not even really have faith. They did not have real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the first place. From the outside, such people looked like they had faith. It looked like everything was all good. It looks like they were people who were like, you know, Basalon Bateng. These are the people, you know, that are holy. They're walking there, it looks like, ah, no. These are people who actually understand. But there was no truth. They were not anchored. It was just an excitement that is on the outside without proper calculation and understanding. So they give a commitment that they really mean. Understanding what it will cost to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They were there. They sit in the service. They are there, but their heart is not changed. They, they're moving with the chairs. They're moving with the tables. They look like everyone else because from the outside you cannot see, but their hearts are not changed. 
and tribulation comes. Persecution comes. Hard times come. And guess what happens? They backtrack and they fall away. Something important to note about this tribulation or persecution that is referred to here is that this is not just any suffering. This is not just going out and stealing and they find you and they beat you up and says, I'm suffering. This is suffering that comes because of the word of God. This is suffering that comes because you're standing for the truth. This is suffering where there is rejection, even sometimes with your family, even sometimes with friends, sometimes even with nations, governments, because you're saying, God says this, I'm not going to do that. You're saying this, I'm going to do that because God says that. This is suffering that comes because of the stance that one takes for the word of God. When such people are called to take a stand for the gospel, they give in and they give up. They are not willing to pay the price for what they say they believe about Christ. Those people fall away because they are not rooted in him. They end up rejecting the gospel. They reject the truth and they go back to living their own way. I believe you might have heard and met some people because it's commonly said when you talk to some other people, especially when you go around sharing the gospel, I used to be saved. I used to be a Christian. I used to be this. I used to be that. But it's people who, when they require to even take a stand for the gospel, they buckle in. They give up. They turn back. They wash their hands. They rather go back into something else. When families press them against what they believe, they usually just put it down. They move on with whatever that is being said. They tell you, no, in this house, this is what we do. And they're like, sure, I'm going to go with this. Because that's what my family would say. They cannot take that stand for the gospel. When friends says this, they love friends so much, they're not willing to say, no, I'm not going to join in this. They easily saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to move on with the world. Because they cannot take a stand, a firm stand for the gospel. These are people who get and run by emotions. And we don't want to be like that. What about you? How firm are you holding to the gospel that you have come to believe? Have you calculated, even as you sit here today, even as you continue to attend church, have you calculated the cost? Or did you just make an emotional decision to follow Christ? And I'm asking this question because you would want to go back and reconsider where you actually just came from. So that you're not ashamed when you get to the end. So that you're not turned back when you get to the end. So that your hopes that you have are not shattered when you get to the end. Only to realize that you did not enter through the narrow gate. Only to realize when you get to the end that you did not calculate the cost. 
Suffering and persecution comes. You realize, ah, that is not what I signed up for. You miss the narrow gate. You follow the wrong way. You follow that other wide path. The narrow gate, you missed it. Though it looked like you were walking together because you could see some people, they are there close to you, but the gate that you entered through was not the right gate. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the gate. And only through Jesus can we be anchored and have root so that we can be firmly be planted. That is who we want to be. We don't want to be the people that are like shallow. Amen. Amen. Number three. Not only did the seed fall on the path, not only did the seed fall on the shallow ground or rocky ground, but it also fell on the thorny ground. And we see that in verse number seven. And then explained by the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 18 and 19. We read that some seed fell among the thorns. And as a result, the plants that came up grew up with the thorns. I think it's very important that when you read this particular section here, when we're talking about the thorns, to understand exactly what is happening, what is there first, and how, how do these two actually just grow up together. The thorns choked the plant so that it yielded no grain. That is to say, the plant evidence that came up gave no fruit, right? What we see here is that the seed is planted amid the thorns. The thorns are there. It's planted amidst the thorns. That is where the thorns already are existing. It is not like the seed is first planted in a place where there are no thorns. And afterwards, Thorns come and they just grow up on top of that plant. The thorns are there. They're already existing. The seed, the seed comes in that place where the thorns are. And so, as the seed grew, it was choked. As the plant grew, it was choked by the thorns. The Lord Jesus Christ describes these people as those who hear the word of God. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires of other things, enter it and choke it. We see that the thorns here are likened to the cares of the world. They are likened to the pleasures of the world. They are likened to the riches of this world. When we think about the thorns, these thorns that already existed, you see that this person, even as the word is, comes to them, the thorns were already there. The love of this life is there. The love of the riches of this world is there. The love of all the pleasures and everything that this world is able to give is there. So the word comes. As the word comes, it just comes right there on top of all those things that they already love, the things that they have committed to, it comes in right in the midst of that. These people already have a master whom they love to serve. 
And this master, sadly, is not God. They love the master, these pleasures, these riches. They care more about the things of this world than they care about God. So when the word comes to them, they, they accept it without turning away from their old ways. As the word comes in, on top of those pleasures, the word comes in and dwells right there. They don't repent. They do not change. They don't give up. They don't say, nope, I think I'm done. This master that I've been serving, bad master. I want to serve the one true master, the God who created me. No, that's not what they do. We have a very good example of people like this in the Bible. Think of the rich young ruler in Mark 10, verse 17 to verse 27. The Lord Jesus Christ says, go away, just give up everything that you have. All these riches that you had. I mean, the man is like, it changes immediately. Why? He did not want to accept Jesus' word because he loved his riches and was not willing to part with any of it. He could not repent from his love of riches and follow Jesus. And it is the same with this group, this third group that we find here. Their love of the world, their love of pleasures and their love of riches make them to remain unrepented. And because of that, although they hear the word of God, they are unfruitful. The word of God does nothing to them. They do not benefit from it. Because the word even as it comes in, it is choked by the cares of the world. They sit there, they're thinking about something else. The word comes in, they're thinking about something else. They love the pleasure and everything that the world will give. And that is what they committed themselves to. Anything and the word of God will slow them down. They don't want to hear it. So the word proves unfruitful in their lives. In Matthew 6, verse 19 to 24, the Lord Jesus warns against saving two masters. He said we should not store our treasures here on earth where they can be destroyed and we lose them. Instead, we should live with an eternal perspective, storing our treasures in heaven where it will never be destroyed or spoiled. Even for us who are saved here today, if we prioritize storing up wealth here on earth or the enjoyment of the pleasures that this world provides at the expense of hearing and benefiting from God's word, we will not accomplish anything of spiritual and eternal significance while we are still on this side. All our toys will earn us no reward in heaven. It will be meaningless if we pursue riches at the expense of the word of God. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot save God and money. Listen to Jesus. Take his word. Desire it and seek his kingdom and his righteousness. That is what we want to do. Why? Because there's more benefit to having the word of God. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11. Listen to what it says about the word. The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing to the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. They are more, even much fine gold. They are sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. This is the word of God. This is what one should be desiring. And this is what we want to desire. Why? Because it is able to bring fruit to us. We should not let the pressures of life drive and control us. That is the third group. The fourth and the last group. This is the good fertile ground. Verse 8 and verse 20. We read that some fell on good soil and produced grain. And that is, it produced again, yeah, fruit. The fruit increased and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. In Israel, if the harvest was tenfold, it was considered to be a very good harvest. But the harvest that we read of here, it's even more than that. 30, 60, to 100-fold. This is some serious, big, big, big harvest that we're talking about. It is a harvest in abundance. And that is the good news. That is, the, that is what we see in this parable. And that is what is to be our focus. This is the good news that there is abundance of fruit that comes with the word of God as it is received on the good fertile soil. There is good abundant fruit that comes as it is received by that good fertile soil. Jesus describes these kinds of people as those who hear the word of God. And they accept it. Matthew adds, he says, in, verse, in 13 verse 23, he says, They hear the word and they understand it. Luke says, they hear the word, they hold it fast, and in an honest and a good heart, they bear fruit with patience. If you are a believer here today, let me encourage you. Even as I started and I said, the, the, my, own goal, my, my main goal is to encourage you. This is you. If you are a believer, confessed believer, one who says, Christ is my Lord, this is you. Why? For you to have come to the place where you are, where you say, I am a believer, it means you have come to understand the gospel. You are that good soil, that the word has come, and God has worked in your hearts to open your eyes so that you can be able to receive the gospel. Praise the Lord for that. You are the believer because God opens your, opened your eyes. He opened your ears. He opened your heart so that you can embrace him and so that you can love him. The good soil are believers who hear the word of God and gives them understanding. Believers, even as we read the Bible, even as we see it and we're sitting here and you hear the word of God preached, the understanding of the word of God comes because God gives us that understanding. So guess what? 
Who prepares the soil? Who prepares the soil? Who makes the soil good? Do we make ourselves good that we'll be able to hear the word? God works the soil. God works in our hearts so that when the word comes, we receive it and we are changed by it. And through this word, even as it comes to us, we are able to bear fruit. And the first fruit that you bear is that fruit of salvation. Confession. To denounce and say, I'm done with me. I'm going to reject and you repent from your old ways of life. And you turn in faith and you look at the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the blessing of knowing God. And guess what? It's God who has done that for all of you who are believers here today. And for that you want to praise God. Unless God worked in you, you would not have received this word. You would not have understood it. And that is what happens with everyone else. They do not hear because their hearts are unchanged. You are able to hear the word of God as a believer because that is what God's doing in your life. Believers accept the word of God even as they hear it and with patience they allow it to settle. And as the word settles, it works in them and it changes them and it changes them to grow. And what is that encouragement? Because God has saved you. Because God has already worked in your heart. Because God has already opened your eyes. Because God has opened your heart that you can know Christ, love Christ. You can be encouraged that even as you get this word, even as you hear the word being preached and it comes to you, be ready to take it and receive it and apply it, accepting it and patiently applying it in your life, guess what would happen? You will be able to grow to maturity because he is the one who continues to teach you. He is the one who continues to work in you. And so you don't want to miss those opportunities whenever the word comes and it is opened before you. You want to engage with it. You want to take it. You want to receive it. And you want to be able to take it and apply it. And it's not a once-off event, but this is your life from beginning to end, from salvation, when God saves you, until to the point where God is going to call you, if the Lord Jesus Christ does not come back before that, God is going to be working. And guess what? Different as we are, some will produce fruit 30-fold, some will produce fruit 60-fold, some will produce fruit 100-fold, according to the different graces that have been given unto us. But the main thing is, we're listening. And we are listening. Because the Lord Jesus Christ says what? He says what? Listen. Listen. Take the word. Listen to the word. Don't make the word of God to come to you and it be unfruitful. Take the word. Be serious about it. As you listen to it, engage it. As you come to church, prepare for it. Even as you come and you live every day, make means to make sure that the word comes to you and it's not wasted. While you do that, praise God that at least he has opened your eyes to it. We don't want to be unfruitful. Now that we are saved, we cannot say it's done, we are saved, we are in there. God has called us to good works. 
if we're going to be fruitful, if we're going to persevere until the end, fruitfully so, we need to listen. We need to take the word of God as it comes. We need to rely on God. We need to rely on our Lord to help us understand his word and to take it. Continue to come to church, but engage when you are here. Engage with the word. You have your pen, you have your paper, you're writing, you're taking it down. You're getting home, you're wanting to actually just work through whatever that you have learned. You are at GC, you're discussing these things, you are dealing with them. You're understanding, you're looking at how you can apply. Because that is what God has actually given us. And if you are here, and you are not a believer, what we can ask you to do is to pray that God would soften your heart. That you may be able to benefit from the word. Because you will remain like that, and you cannot change your heart. It is only God who can change your heart. The word, even as it's proclaimed and it's come, it comes to you, it will just go and it will be stolen, it goes, and it never goes in. But humble yourself to come before God and ask him to soften your heart so that you can be able to see Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who died for you. He's the one who died for your sins. When we sing and we sing about the, 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 the beautiful Savior we have, it's not because we have done it on our own, but it's because God saved us and opened our eyes. To understand that we are sinners before him. Although he created us, but we sinned against him. And because of that, we are his enemies. And guess what? We are judged before him as enemies. And we deserve to die. We deserve his punishment. But God, in his love, gave us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So that in him, we might be able to have life. And eternal life. Have forgiveness of our sins. So that we can stand before God and says we are blameless, we are sinless. Not because we did not sin, but because our sin was punished on someone else, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is him that we want to live for. And that is the him that we say, look at him and live for him. And that is the Christ that we preach. So we can thank God for him. Let us make sure, even as we start this year, let us be fruitful. Even as we come to church, let us use this word. Let's always be there, being that good soil because God has already worked in us and let's continue just to be fruitful until the end and let's persevere until the end because it is God who is at work in us let us listen to him Amen, let's pray God we thank you for your word, thank you that your word is powerful that Lord you are able to do what we cannot do through your word and that is why we are so reliant um, on it oh God Lord, we, we thank you for, for this time and we pray you would help us to take this word, oh God, and, and be changed by it, Lord. And thank you for saving us. Thank you for every believer who is here today. Lord, that is testimony of your work, of how, oh Lord God, you have you know, opened you know, our eyes and showed us the beauty of your son. And, and Lord, that today we're able to come and say we are able to love you because you have loved us first and you have done this work in us. We, we praise you for that, and we pray that you continue to, to help us to, to work in this life and to live, that we may persevere until the end, producing all the fruit you have called us to produce, O oh Lord God. We pray even for also people who do not know you here today. Lord, we pray that you show them your, your, your mercy, O oh Lord, that you would 
you know, reach down to them, O oh Lord God, and that you'd open their eyes that they may, they may know you. Even pray for our children who are here today, who are listening, and they listen to sermons Sunday in and Sunday out, Lord, Father, that this word, even as it comes, Lord, it will not just come, you know, into hearts that are just, you know, hard ground, and it bounces, and it's stolen, but Lord God, Father, that you'd be able to settle and may be able to take root, so they may be able to know you, even from a young age, Lord, and be able to, you know, come and follow you, so their lives will be lived with the papers, oh Lord God, and there are ways, oh Lord God, Father, just may be, um, you know, they may follow your ways in everything that they do. We pray and we ask, oh Lord God, Father, all of this, just trusting in you, knowing that we're not able to accomplish anything except, oh Lord God, Father, just by your assistance. And it's in, it's in, the, Lord of, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we come before you and we, we pray all of this. In his name we pray.